I am excited to introduce one of, if not everyone's favorite Bitcoin Canadian, the founder of Looking Glass Education, to help you and everyone you know and love learn more about Bitcoin and how to interact with this technology. Famously traded in credit default swaps during the 2008 financial crisis. I'm excited to introduce my friend and friend of the show, Greg Foss. Welcome back, sir. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. I hope my internet situation clears up from the last time we tried this, right? But I'm going to start by saying what a great job uh, by Mills. Hey, what, what a star. So let's all support Hodlnot. Understand that Bitcoin ultimately may not care, but I that truth always needs to be spoken. So let's support truth and, and freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to ask you, Greg, you know, coming off of the heels of the ongoing issues up in Canada, you know, seeing the way Europe is dealing with their impending energy crisis, the any second, I'm just waiting for the text or the Apple alert when the Japanese yen has fully collapsed. And then of course, in this country that I call home, the United States of America, feels like there's a new problem every day. What of all of the things going on in the world right now, what is keeping you up at night the most? What has you most concerned? Well, great question. And to be honest, it was a report last week written by Bank of America that they are very concerned about the liquidity in this treasury market. And you can interpret that as a widening of the bid offers on treasury bonds, which indicates liquidity drawn from that market. And that is the most important, most fluid market in the world that sets the quintessential risk-free rate. Now, we all know it's not truly risk-free because if it was risk-free, credit default swaps on the United States would trade for zero, meaning nobody would be looking for default protection on the USA. But you have a derivatives market called the credit default swap market, and then you have the cash market that funds the budget or the deficit, let's be honest, that funds the deficit, the accelerating deficit in the United States. So if that market becomes illiquid, as defined by Bank of America, then the risk-free rate becomes less risk-free. All other rates in the world, which are set off of that re-rate, become inherently more risky. And you have a contagion effect in all financial markets, which will cause equities to explode down. It will cause high yield bonds to, if the bid offer spread on trees widens, you can only imagine what the bid offer spread on high yield bonds will do. And I guess, Q, what it comes down to is the financial system as we know it is starting to implode. So there's three, there's basically three mandates for the the Federal Reserve that are out there publicly. One is full employment, and the second one is controlling inflation. Now, you, know, you can almost laugh at those legs of the stool because they are at difficult times in the market. They're actually diametrically. If you're trying to fight inflation, interest rates are increasing. And when interest rates are increasing, you drive the economy into a recession, which means you can't have full employment. So putting that aside, 
The third leg of the stool is financial stability. And there's no better way to measure financial stability is the pure functioning of the US Treasury market. And when that stops functioning, the most fluid liquid market in the world stops functioning properly. Flares should be rising and, you know, red flags should be going off everywhere. And yet the equity markets had an update. The equity markets, which are a derivative themselves of the debt markets, schluffed it off as if it was nothing. It just goes to show you, in my opinion, that the children work in the equity markets and the adults work in the credit markets. Okay, so the equity markets are where the adults send their children to play when they go to work in the debt markets. Unfortunate, but true. Foss, I take that very personally as an equity trader and not as a bond or debt trader. But forgive forgive the ignorance of this question. I want to make sure myself, P, and our audience are following this. The liquidity of these bond markets, like that, that's not coming from a normal retail investor. It's typically coming from larger funds or even foreign investments, correct? And we're just not seeing correct. that foreign money pile into our bonds today. What is... What are the options for the treasury market to try and increase the liquidity of their bonds right now? I think you know the answer. Print, print, print. QE infinity. It is the only solution to the spiral. Okay. And, and incidentally, there was a, a, a video of the last time I was on here that went sort of viral where I gave a little you know, if you don't understand this, then you're, you know, you're one silly individual. And if you don't understand math, then you shouldn't be investing your money. And, you know, you shouldn't even have children, right? Like, I, I guess I, I probably went a little too far. But I still believe it. Okay. Because, you know, if you have people that don't <laughs> understand mathematics, they don't understand how bond markets work. Bond markets rule the world. Okay. Debt in total is 400 trillion US dollars. The equity markets are less than one quarter of that size. This is global equity. So you have 400 trillion dollars. It depends on people understanding mathematics. And 400 trillion is four ninths because total global assets is 900 trillion. Well, almost one half of all global assets are debt. You better understand debt people because if you don't everything else that is subordinate to debt which is equities gets flung around like the tail of a dog and it's hilarious to say well it's actually sad to see people who own equities in companies and they have no idea where the debt of that company trades they have no idea what the bond market thinks of that company case in point i hate to say it bed bath and beyond okay the bonds are trading at 30 cents on the dollar. And you have these mean stock investors who think the stock is going to go up tenfold from here when the bonds are trading at distress levels, which don't even indicate they'll get their hundred cents on the dollar back. I'll remind you, if the bonds are worth less than a hundred cents on the dollar, the equity is worth zero. But you got these guys out there investing because of Reddit tweets and all that stuff. That you got to own the, the, the stock. You got to own the stock. And that's just the wrong way to invest. Okay. 
Always understand where the bonds of anything trade. And this includes a country. The United States of America is insolvent today. And I can lay out the math and it's as simple as this. James Lavish put out a beautiful debt spiral substack report. But I'm going to borrow his numbers. They were actually both of our numbers because we work closely on this. The USA takes in $4.8 trillion of tax revenues annually. This is including capital gains taxes, which, by the way, are not going to look so good this year because capital gains haven't really materialized this year. Okay, but stick with me. They take in $4.8 trillion, of which $3 trillion is allocated, sorry, $3.6 trillion is allocated to entitlements. Okay, entitlements including Social Security. It's like a cost of doing business. It's a fixed cost. And another $800 billion is military spending. So you can think of those two expenses as fixed expenses, the cost of running a business. So you got 4.8 coming in and you have 4.4 already going out the door for fixed costs, which leaves $400 billion left to pay interest expense on your $30 trillion worth of debt, which means the average interest expense is slightly over 1% on that debt, okay? You just do the math, that's your average interest coupon. Problem is, US 10-year rates now are 3.3%, which means the USA needs to always issue new debt to pay off the the debt that's being matured. Debt never matures, when, uh, in, in case in point, it has to roll over, okay? And if there's nobody that comes to the auctions of the USA to buy this debt, guess who has to buy it? The central bank, right? But stick with me with the math. What if the interest coupon goes from one and change percent to 3.3%? All of a sudden, your interest obligations have gone up to over $1 trillion annually. Holy smokes, we only had $400 billion to pay it. That means there's an incremental $600 billion of debt that is growing because of the contractual coupon on the bonds, right? Guys, it's like running a business. If you ran your household this way, if you bought another credit card or applied for another credit card to pay the interest on your last credit card, how long would that Ponzi last? Well, this is exactly what the USA is required to do because of the debt spiral. Now, I'm going to have to say it again. If you don't understand the math that I just laid out on the table for you, please take your money to a professional asset manager. And I'll have to say it again as well. If you do understand the math that I just laid out and you don't own Bitcoin, you are not the smartest person in the room. In fact, you should probably also take your money to a better asset manager than yourself. So all paths lead to Bitcoin. All paths lead to QE infinity, the necessity of the governments to continue to print money to solve the organic expansion of the debt balloon. The organic expansion being due just to the coupon payments. Incidentally, 
There are people that think Powell's going to get to 6%. Well, if at 3%, it's a trillion bucks a year, at 6%, it's close to $3 trillion of yeah. organic growth in the debt balloon. Guys, it's fucking over. Can I not explain it any other way? This is a debt spiral that if the USA were a corporation, it would be rated triple C. One oh. level above default and the lowest level of a continuing business in the junk bond arena. Don't forget, I spent 30 years in the junk bond arena. I'm paid to identify companies that can make it and companies that are unlikely to make it. Well, if the USA was a company, it ain't going to make it. Now, the ability to print money skates you out of a lot of problems. But if you were a corporation and you printed your own money, guess what? You get thrown in jail for forgery, wouldn't you? But in the U.S. Treasury, if you print your own money, you get promoted. You get hmm. a bigger job because, you know, the money printing machine solves all, all problems. It only works until it doesn't, you guys, okay? And that's what I have to stress. Risk happens fast. It is very concerning when major nation, the largest bank in America, Bank of America, comes to the research platform and says, the U.S. Treasury market is fragile. The liquidity is evaporating. So you ask the question, who are the buyers? At the margin, the buyers of U.S. Treasury bonds right now are the Rao Paul hedge funds that are using leverage. And then you hop on a, uh, on a podcast and you wear a fucking stupid shirt that says buy bonds because you just happen to put that, that podcast, you know, you happen to put that position on your trading book. But he's not going to own bonds for 30 years. You got to understand the real money that buys bonds are pension funds and insurance companies that are trying to match assets to liabilities. The liabilities meaning their insurance, their contractual obligations to the beneficiaries of their pension plans. Those are the real money buyers. Okay? The fast money buyers put on the trade, they lever it up, they hope to make 1% on the bonds and they've levered it seven times. So it's a 7% return on, you know, a 1% allocation. Or sorry, a 10% allocation. At the end of the day, that's what hedge funds do. But they have been the marginal buyers of these bonds. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I'm a little on this one. So just remember the math. Somebody says something about Ralph Paul. It's not coming up in my... Yeah, thing. I got to see what it says. Oh, I'm on Neil when it comes to Jeff this Ross logical stuff. I miss what P. Uh, I was just saying it was Jeff Ross saying, buy bonds, wear diamonds, Rob Paul. Dr. Jeff? Dr. Jeff? Dr. Jeff is in the audience. Dr. Jeff is one. Yeah. He's one funny guy. All right. Now, here's the other thing. We don't all have to agree. Okay. And I got into a little bit of it with a, a, a famous bond bull on the weekend. His yes, name is Joe Carlick. Okay, Joe Carlos, Joe, Joe C. Okay, now I've had discussions with him before. I may be right and I may be wrong, but the math doesn't lie. Okay, the mathematics is certainty. So if you think bonds are a buy, 
you can buy the bonds for a period of time, but your currency is going to be debased over that same time to make up for the QE printing that's required for your bonds to be money good. My God, you guys, if you don't have this, you are really, really not supposed to be commenting on investment. But you got a lot of people commenting on investments that just are not qualified to comment on investments. I'll leave it at that. I look forward to a gentleman to discussion with Joe. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. So for the audience, there's a very slight delay. I was making a bad joke. And when you said that you shouldn't be talking about investing, I said, Q, we're looking at you. I, I was about to say, oh, no. he, Greg is very much talking about you. <laughs> Here's the um, thing, guys. I'm talking about just about everybody, right? Like, I, I mean, look, I didn't, I, I did not learn this in school. Okay, now I went to some of the best schools in North America, right, including an Ivy League school. So you can call me a fat Ivy League fuck, and you're right, okay, because I am. But I knew nothing about this stuff coming out of school. You actually have to sit in a risk chair. You have to send manage money and feel your sphincter tightening up as tight as a fucking nut because you have the wrong Don't learn this in school, okay? So... I'm sorry to lay it out like it like it is, but this is it, it's really unfortunate. Okay, and this just flew under everybody's radar that oh, the U.S. Treasury market is you know losing its uh, mantra as a risk-free determinant of uh, risk-free versus other assets that are riskier than the U.S. Treasury. So there was a, there's a guy Michael Gay Gayad or Michael Gayad who. He's got, you know, 600,000 followers. He writes the lead lag report. Very smart guy. He's a non-Bitcoiner, which is fine. But he, he laid it on the line. He goes, there is no, so, there, are, there should be no other markets if the U.S. Treasury market fails to function. And he's actually right. But guess what? He owns all sorts of equities, right? So understand all this stuff. Sitting in a risk chair is about the most important thing that anybody who is setting federal bank policy can ever have done and guess where jerome powell spent all of his life sitting in a fucking lawyer's chair okay has Oof. never felt any of this stuff never understands how markets work and yet is setting the rate and the policy for the most important rate in the world which is the 10-year two-year five-year 10-year u.s treasury bond rates it's a dangerous position, people. We are being led by a blind man, a man who has never sat in the chair that knows where to look for these type of risk factors that come out of the, you know, out of the, the, the sewing or the mesh. And when you least expect it, risk is fast. Hey, guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, BitMEX. BitMEX is one of the biggest supporters of the Bitcoin space in the last decade, actively donating to developers and putting out some of the most cited research articles. What you might not know is that BitMEX recently launched a brand new spot exchange and mobile app that takes the experience of buying and holding to the next level. We know that, especially in uncertain market conditions, you need an exchange that is trustworthy and innovative. Sign up at BitMEX.com today, check out the BitMEX blog for some great market insights, and stay tuned to our podcast for more from their team.
As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin, Moon Mortgage makes it possible to materialize your digital assets. Collateralized loans are great for living expenses, buying a car, or even for when you just have to have that sweet Rolex. But what isn't so great is when you then lose the ability to trade your assets once your loan has been taken out. So just like you, Moon Mortgage believes you should be able to have your cake and eat it too. Moon Mortgage's Trade and Borrow is the world's first digital asset loan margin account, allowing you to instantly trade your Bitcoin while borrowing against your account, all with next to zero insolvency risk, no origination fees, nor any third-party risk, as Moon Mortgage will never lend out your digital assets. Welcome to the future of collateralized lending. Visit moonmortgage.io today to learn how you can trade, borrow, and then trade your digital assets some more. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global with the inaugural European gathering this fall. Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Foss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference which includes hands-on engagements at our Proof of Workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP whales in the deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day three of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 for a GA ticket and €3,499 for VIP whale passes. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Greg, we're going to come back to the sphincter tightening stories in a little bit, but I want to I want to play out a scenario because what, what I'm seeing happen is the inevitability of the dollar milkshake theory coming into full effect all across the world. My question to you, and I, I absolutely love the way you explained how the U.S. as a company would have a triple C rating, how essentially all the U.S. has done is just open a new credit card, max out that credit card to pay off its last debt, and then go to the next credit card. That's essentially the cycle we've been on. It's rinse and repeat for 15 plus years now, if not since the Nixon days. My question, however, is in other iterations of this, when a company goes down this sort of debt spiral and dies, they don't have the money printer. And how much life support can that money print? Like, could that mo- life, could the money printer keep the US alive much longer than A, it should be, and much longer than B, we're expecting it to be? It's a great question, Q. So let's start with something called creative gestion, right? Like, that is what capitalism is. You're supposed to allow zombie companies to die where you restructure that company and you basically delete all the equity. It's worth zero. And the bonds that were at one point issued at 
100 cents on the dollar. Let's just say, for example, get restructured at 40 cents on the dollar. Okay. Well, now the enterprise value of that new company is a fraction of old enterprise value was. And that could be because, you know, it's EBITDA or free cash flow numbers have got product that is not competitive. But this type of creative destruction is, is a necessity, firstly, to keep investors honest. Okay. Okay. Honest in that free, you know, lunches get paid for the risk that you are taking. The problem with printing money forever is sometimes you rescue the zombie companies and it makes your entire economy less competitive, right? You right now are strapped with the highest number of zombie companies in the USA in the history, which means companies that have, stick with me here, less than one times interest coverage. Guess what? That's the same number that the United States government has for their budget. They cover interest expense less than one turn with their generated revenues. Okay. It's a reality. The question I think you asked was, how long can this go? We better hope it goes for a long time. Because if the USA fails, every single other fiat in the world has failed already. Okay? I often say... It's unfortunate, but Canada will likely fail 10 years before the USA fails. Canada's a rounding error. Right? We are a G7 nation, but we have a smaller economy than California. Okay? One-tenth of the population of USA, and we have a current prime minister who is a fucking buffoon. Okay? So the management is horrible. The debt metrics are horrible. And we really do don't matter. But we're still a G7 country. Imagine everybody lower than Canada on the size economy basis. So there will be countries that continue. For example, Argentina has failed four times in my career. That's the same thing as saying they've never had a 30-year bond that has matured. It's just incredible that this continues, this Ponzi continues, but sometime it may not. And this is why I'm such a Bitcoin advocate because we are trying to develop a system that will be there to rescue the world when the fiat, the fiat system breaks. So I need to be very clear. The Canadian Prime Minister has admitted he doesn't understand math. And he has said things like the budget will balance itself. Well, if you were the CEO of a corporation and you said those two things, well, they should fire you immediately from being the CEO of a corporation. Hence, bad management will lead to an accelerating debt spiral. I don't want, so I'm a proud Canadian, fifth generation Canadian. My ancestors actually landed in North America a hundred years before the Declaration of Independence. Okay. I think. I'm a born and birth American type of a guy, generation. I do not want either country to fail. I need to be clear. A lot of people that want to see the end of the fiat system. I'm not one I want to see is a parallel system that is developed that uses Bitcoin, your savings account, 
Wealth can be your checking account. Okay? Fiat is good for international trade. Fiat is good to having to avoid barter. And so all of these things in line, I think I speak with my good friend Jeff Booth on this on a regular basis. It's important that this parallel system is developing as a network transfer can take place. It will bring the store value concept. It will make risk-free rates of return truly risk-free. But you can still have a fiat. You can still have a checking account. Just don't save your hard work in time, of time and energy in a checking account. Save your hard work in time and energy in a store of value called Bitcoin, the most perfect store of value instrument that I have ever seen. So, Craig, I'd love to shift topics slightly and get your thoughts on Russia and Iran accepting Bitcoin for foreign trade and how you think that plays out on the world stage. What do you think is going on there? Well, it's a great question, P. And, and basically, I'm an engineer. Now, there are some physicists there that disagree with me. And everybody, you know, opinions are like sphincters. I miss that, that word once today, but there, here's an old expression. Opinions are like sphincters. Every asshole has, okay? So... I have an opinion. I'm an asshole. Here it goes. I think of Bitcoin as digital energy. I know the physicists don't see the same outcome, but I think of Bitcoin as digital energy. It was something that Michael Saylor brought to my attention. And I think that it makes sense to sell valuable natural resource energy for payment in Bitcoin, digital energy, it may, then to sell your valuable natural resource energy for payment in U.S fiat dollars, the petrodollar that is guaranteed to debase. Okay, we've already laid out that mathematics. It's 100% certain that fiat currencies will debase because of the debt spiral. So is it strange that Iran, not a great friend of the United States, but a big energy supplier and Russia, same thing, especially since Russia froze their U.S. Treasury Reserve assets, Russia and Iran, part of this new thing called the TRICS, okay? You heard, you've heard about the BRICS, which was Brazil, Russia, India, China, and I can't remember, yeah, B-R-I-C-S. The new one is TRICS, okay? T stands for Turkey, or Taiwan or Turkey. Let's say it's Taiwan. Turkey. R, Turkey. Russia. I, Iran. C, China, K, North Korea. So the tricks are people that are likely, in my opinion, to adopt Bitcoin for international trade. And it's the most important commodity internationally. Yeah. Oil. Oil and natural gas. So, you know, connect the dots. Understand this is going. And by the way, when that happens, U.S. Treasury bond loses asset status in the world. That just happened nicely with what Bank Erica is saying, which is people are loathe to hold their savings in a reserve asset becoming less attractive. Japan is dumping it. Russia is dumping it. China is, I mean, U.S. Treasury bonds. So who's there? to buy it 
Well, I guess the Treasury can buy their own bonds. What does that mean? QE infinity, hence Bitcoin. So you see, look, it's, it's, it's pretty simple, guys. Don't overthink this. Play the odds, play probabilities. And I could lay out why Bitcoin should someday trade for over $2 million today in today's dollars per Bitcoin based on that thesis. But again, it's probability analysis. It's sitting in a risk chair. It's playing out different scenarios and then putting your money behind a scenario that has the greatest expected value, which is not to say it has the greatest probability. It's to say that the chance of it happening multiplied by the price that occurs when it happens, an expected value, is the most opportune. That's why I think Bitcoin is the greatest asymmetric trade opportunity I have ever seen in my career of pushing risk. I'm not 100% certain, but I'm pretty darn confident that at $20,000 per Bitcoin, it represents incredible asymmetric opportunity. So I've had the great pleasure of actually studying what a credit default swap is. And you very famously have said that Bitcoin is a credit default swap on the fiat Ponzi scheme. You also very famously bought credit default swaps during the housing crisis and made more money than I think I could even imagine right now in doing that. But for our audience who hasn't had, you know, the time or the ability to go and really understand that, can you walk people through a just what is a credit default swap and how is it that you see Bitcoin as the credit default swap against fiat? I won't be too technical here. Firstly, yeah, I was sitting in a risk chair. We did okay. On we support the U.S. House via credit default swaps. We then reversed our trades and bought some restructured asset-backed commercial paper in Canada that had been based off of U.S. senior loan obligations, including some subprime exposure. But the point is, we got the market right. That's what you're supposed to do. And we made money for our investors. In fact, the returns were asymmetric, which is what I'm paid to do. I'm paid to to provide asymmetric returns to investors, which is to say you buy something at a price which is substantially below its value. And price and value don't always equal the same thing. I hate to quote Warren Buffett, but I have to. Price is what you pay, value is what you get. So what is a credit default swap? Firstly, let's say understand why I think that credit default swaps are important to be able to evaluate Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin as insurance on the fiat Ponzi. Because what is fiat? Fiat is basically debt. So if you're going to evaluate fiat, you might as well start with a debt instrument, which is a credit. All credit default swap is, is a form of insurance. It's a contract between a buyer and seller that reference something called a reference obligation for a particular contract that will reference whether that contract has defaulted. It's a form of insurance, much like good in buying insurance on your house for fire protection. Okay. Oh, then in my house, the reference option caught fire. The insurance company owes me 
reparations. It's the same sort of thing, but you do it with credit default swaps. And it involves a buyer protect price that it takes place at is a reflection of the risk of that particular event occurring. Now, I've already mentioned the United States has credit default swaps that trade for greater than zero in price, which means they are people out there that are concerned with the ultimate credit worthiness of the United States. He is, if they're concerned about the credit of the United States, they should be doubly credit worthiness of Canada. And they are. If you look at the rates that are in the credit default swap market for Canada, they're roughly times the price of the credit default swap for America. And then you can go down the risky spectrum and you get to Italy, you get to Brazil, you get to Mexico, then you get to Turkey, then you get to Argentina, and you'll realize fluid market of pricing of insurance against the default of a particular country. Now, what I like to have is bit a basically insurance policy on a basket of these countries, and the price of those insurance policies will indicate what Bitcoin should be worth. And I do that math, come up with a price today of over $400,000 US per Bitcoin. And that is not a static price. It's a dynamic measurement because that price will change as the debt levels of countries change and as the CDS spreads change, okay? So the beautiful thing is it's a dynamic measurement. I'm not saying it's 100% correct, but right now Bitcoin's trading for 120th of the FOSS intrinsic value of Bitcoin. And people can say, yeah, you got a sphincter, you're an asshole, I'm not going to listen to you. But I'm going to say, do it your own way then. How do you want to calculate it? And someone will come up with this thing called, yes, you know, supply to that thing was. UF model stock or whatever. Flow. And I'll say, okay, it's a model. Yes, stock to flow. But guys, it's only a model. Okay? Don't overthink this. You can have various ways of uh, modeling the intrinsic value of Bitcoin. No one says there's only one model. There's adoption models. That's a fidelity model. They have a model that shows that Bitcoin should be worth over a million dollars US by the year 2030. I don't care who's right. And perhaps it's some melange of these, you know, different models. But at $20,000 per Bitcoin, I think you're buying insurance at really, really, really cheap levels. And I don't care how you value that insurance. Just understand that there's a lot of different models that will give you an evaluation of the relative cheapness of Bitcoin. And I want to I expand on context because one thing that I've, my favorite experiment right now is not necessarily worrying about what is the price of each individual Bitcoin when we have these type of conversations, but rather... What is the implied market cap as a result? So for context, at a 20K Bitcoin or roughly where we're at today, the market cap is just over $400 billion. The implied market cap of a $400,000 per Bitcoin price is a market cap of about $8 trillion. The total market cap of gold is still above that at 11 and a half, a little bit less than $11.5 trillion. So... 
to Foss's point, like I see exactly where you're coming from. I can see a very clear and easy path to get there and why the value is there just based on today. So to reiterate, and I don't know if you buy into this theory as much as I do, Foss, but I think we're, we've reached a point with Bitcoin where the individual price itself to me matters a lot less than the total market cap because it can only go so far. And realistically, we have to take out one thing at a time, first gold, and hopefully Peter Schiff along the way will either just croak or finally cave. And then next one up would probably probably be the equity markets before we enter housing and the debt markets. But again, what do I know? I'm just a lowly pleb with autism living in his mother's basement. No. You know a lot. And, and by you, you know, it can take a piece of everything. This is why I I like to say it doesn't have to take over one asset silo. What if it just takes 5% of all the assets in the world? And I already mentioned on this podcast, the total value in today's dollars of all assets in the world is 900 trillion US dollars. So what if it takes 5% of 900 trillion US dollars? Well, let's run through some grade four math. What is 5% of 900 trillion? 45 trillion dollars and what's 45 trillion divided by 21 million there is your two million dollars us per bitcoin in today's dollars people don't forget it's today's dollars okay so that's taking a little bit of debt because it's taking five percent of the debt market which is 400 trillion it's taking five percent of the equity market which is 100 trillion it's taking five percent of the real estate market which is 300 million it's taking five cents of the gold market which is a fucking rounding error at 11 trillion and that's how you get your dollars for bitcoin why again because i think u.s treasuries lose their state reserve asset world and bitcoin will become that and people will say to me foss you're smoking you got the glue bag on and i'll say okay put a problem knucklehead would you give me a 10 percent chance it gets to two million bucks and most people would say yeah i'll give you 10 percent chance so what does that imply bitcoin should be trading thousand dollars not twenty thousand okay it's another saying the market is giving me a one percent chance that i'm right q right twenty thousand divided by two million is one percent and i'm like okay I'm way more confident than 1%, and I'm not saying I'm 100% confident, but my God, if you guys have ever gone to the horse track, you know when you think that the odds are wrong. And I just happen to think the odds of the market are wrong. So I am a buyer, and I'm not advocating you put all your money in this, because that would be irresponsible from a risk manager's perspective. But there's other people out there that... Manage risk differently than Greg Foss does. And that's fine. I'm just going to tell you the big money in the world will never go 100% into Bitcoin. They cannot possibly take that risk. But should they own more than 0% Bitcoin? At friggin' lootly, if you own zero Bitcoin right, you are taking extreme amounts of risk to the upside. Please fix the bus internet connection. I'm sorry, guys. It seems to get more delayed as maybe buffering, maybe it's whatever. 
You're just no, dropping so much knowledge that it slowly degrades over time. No, it's 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 all right right now. We can still hear you and uh, and see you. I want to hear more about your, you know, you mentioned sort of like sitting sitting in the risk chair and you know, having your sphincter tighten into a a tiny nut. I want to hear more about your like horror stories, your experiences in that chair, what you went through in terms of you know, trading and working in the bonds and the bond markets and uh, to get where you are today. Well, you end up living your positions 24 seven extent where you, you can be with your wife and you know, you're having, a, you have a great dinner. You go and watch the movie at the end of the movie, your wife says, how did you enjoy that? And you go, I wasn't even what stupid position I have at work and it, it becomes, it, it's all encompassing and it's a, it's a job. I think I mentioned to you guys, it actually drove me close to suicide, right? Like you can't be in this chair for 30 years and not feel the intensity of managing other people's money. Now, if, if there's a person that sits in a re in a risk chair like that and doesn't care about your money, his name is Peter Schiff. Okay. Cause he admitted that he's a shitty risk manager. He doesn't care about his client's money. So all I'll say is this, I'm reading the things, lower lows coming. Oh, G-cock. That's pretty funny. G-cock. You're a cock, okay? If you know where Bitcoin prices are going, you're fooling yourself. Okay? Nobody knows. You've got to play probabilities and expected value outcomes based on distribution of prices that are bound at one end by zero and have long tail returns. So if Mr. Cock is so confident that lower lows are coming, I don't think he knows what he's talking about because right now, nobody knows. It just looks extremely cheap. So he could, he could pause and decide to try and buy Bitcoin at a lower price. But guess what? Lots of people who didn't buy Bitcoin at $10 because they were waiting for it to go to $5 probably still never bought Bitcoin and it went far higher. Don't overthink things, people. All I will say is this. It's the best asymmetric trade I have ever seen. You don't need to own 100% of your portfolio. I sleep fine at night with my exposure knowing that the probabilities are in my favor that I have the right trade on. And if I don't, guess what? There's other things that will perform portfolio, but I believe going to be the best horse at the race. Paul Tudor Jones words will repeat them. Invest in the fastest. The odds are in your favor in Bitcoin. Just my opinion. One man, one fit, one Greg, I don't know. Sorry to, sorry to hijack this, Pete. I don't know legally what you can or can't say, but is there a trade you can walk us back in time? Like, let this. I want. I want a little bit of a lesson of a trade where maybe it went wrong. What you learned as your sphincter tightened, and maybe hopefully Jerome Powell, who is a longtime viewer of the show, can learn a thing or two from your sphincter tightening experience. Most important advice I can give anybody. Hold on to your winners 
and sore losers. Okay? Managing risk is about managing things that can bankrupt you, that can cause you to lose all your clients, which is to say, put your position size appropriate to your risk tolerance. Don't get shaken out of a chose because you bought too much at a higher price. Sell your losers, though. Your losers include things that you're holding on to and you're praying that they'll get back to the price you paid, even though you know the probabilities of that happening are very low. Humans are very poor risk managers because they let emotion come into the trade. So there's an expression in trading. Your first loss is your best loss, which means once you decide to sell, sell. Get the fuck out, reevaluate the trade. Once you get more information or you've toned down your emotions, but your first loss is your best loss if you have decided to sell. And if you buy too much of something and you still believe in your thesis, but you cannot sleep at night, then you own too much. So Bitcoin is a notoriously volatile asset that will require you to manage your emotion as well as manage your risk on a consistent basis, okay? And Q, it's not easy. And this is why I say you actually have to do it sitting in a risk chair because managing other people's money is the hardest money there is to manage, okay? Managing your own money is easy. The second easiest is managing a bank's money or bank portfolio. And then the hardest one is to manage money for friends family or for people you care about that you don't want to lose their money and in orders of progression that's why working at a hedge fund sitting in a risk chair managing money for your clients that you care about and you're not peter schiff who admits he doesn't care about his if you actually have a conscience and you're sitting in that risk chair that is why you need to have experience you don't learn it in school don't learn it by your own managing your own portfolio because heck there's only one report to when you manage your own portfolio. That's you. But when you manage a portfolio on behalf of a bank or on behalf of a multitude of clients that whose family wealth depends on your risk management abilities, that's a big, big responsibility. And until you've done it, you can't experience it. You can put together a model portfolio and play computer games and think that you're doing it until you're doing it for real. None of it matters. And that's why I'm so discouraged with a guy like Jerome Powell, who's never done this, is making decisions that impact the entire world. And then some of his governors are laughing. Oh, well, maybe people are going to lose their job. But ha, 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 you, you, we got the wrong. It's not funny. It's absolutely disgraceful when you laugh at shit. But that is what we have become accustomed to in this clown car called the Federal Reserve. I, I appreciate that and, and love any and all lessons and guidance that you provide us, Greg. We, we all greatly appreciate it. I want to take this question that came in from the audience. Where was it? Chris, you put it on the screen. What tips do you have for a 20-year-old about savings and investing? We are young, so we can be degenerates and go 100% all in on Bitcoin. What are, what advice do you have for the degenerates who are 100% or even more than 
on Bitcoin right now? Man, here's this guy, Gcock, again, okay? So lower lows, the Fed won't stop. Gcock can, uh, forget it, I'll leave it alone. But look, <laughs> at the end of the day, Keep the, it US, going. <laughs> the, the U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar and the U.S. dollar wrecking ball is going to destroy other, com uh, other countries before it destroys the USA, okay? So Gcock, you know, you're one funny MFer. But at the end of the day, you're a bit of a dink, okay? I'm going to just have to say it. You are a dink. And the reality is a 20-year-old kid is going to make his own decisions. If you're into as much Bitcoin as you want, only you can decide that. Only you are able to decide what your risk tolerance is. And I'll leave it at this. All of your money into Bitcoin in order to accept the asymmetry of the upside. That's the beautiful thing of an asymmetric trade-off. Okay, the G car. I'm only saying G, and I'm only saying it's G E E K O K. That's the guy. And here's the problem: he hides behind a pseudonym. He's a funny guy. Has never managed people's money in all, all of his life. And guess what? I bet he's a two-bit lawyer as well. Okay, two-bit lawyer like Jerome Powell. So. I can only say to a 20-year-old, do your research, understand that it is a journey, not a destination. This is important. It's a journey, not a destination. If the information changes, change your position. Don't be like Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff could have been the best gold fund manager of gold funds if he had just put 1% of his portfolio into Bitcoin, because they're very similar. They are scarcity bitcoin just happens to be way better than gold mr shifty pete okay change your fucking portfolio when the information changes and don't go around spewing bullshit and misintentions just because you got the trade wrong and gcock you know what you're a dink okay your name says it all you're a total penis so stop fucking around with people Could not agree more. Greg, I want to shift topics completely. I want to ask you, how do you stay on top of everything that's happening in the world today? You seem to be completely on top of everything that's happening within the bond markets, within the larger equity markets. You know, you have strong opinions about macroeconomic environments. What is your like daily process? Do you, how much, how much time you spend on Twitter? How much time you spent on mainstream media? Do you print all your stuff out? I think Joe was saying he like prints all of his shit out and then, oh no, it was Preston. And then he like highlights it in real time. I'm super curious. So having spent my entire life in the credit markets there, here's Gcock again. What a, uh, I, I got to turn off this thing. I don't, I, I have no time to spend on losers. Okay, G. So I told you to S my at C at one point. So go ahead. Just please stop. At the end of the day, here's what Greg, this guy is one fucking loser, isn't he? Anyway, here's what I know. Okay. I look at the credit markets for everything because credit runs the world. So all of my intel comes from the credit markets. All right. Credit runs the world. I look at things like high yield spreads. I look at CDS, credit default swaps. Look at credit default swap on Capital One, please. Okay. 
look at what the credit default swap market is saying about subprime credit cards. Okay. Please understand that credit world. So I can distill what's happening in the world very quickly, just because of my experience in the credit risk chair. And I, I hate to say it any other way, but you don't gain that in school. And and I I distill knowledge through experience, and not always right. Okay, I don't pretend that I'm always going to be right. I just like to take good risk adjusted bets, fellas. That's what I'm paid to do. I'm trying to share my knowledge because, quite honestly, there's not that many people that have sat in a chair managing other people's money for 30-plus years. I mean, Lawrence Lepard, okay? There's a reason Larry is such a good risk manager, and it comes from his experience sitting in a risk chair. He admits when the information changes, it changed his trade philosophy. So if Mr. Koch is so confident in luck buying Bitcoin at the right price. But I don't want to get too fast when I think it looks like my internet hopefully it didn't cut out. When when I think something's cheap, I'm just gonna buy it and get to my portfolio and then I'm gonna watch if the information changes and if it does change my allocation accordingly, which be meaning I was wrong. I have to sell or damn it's even cheaper than i thought it was i'm gonna get myself up to my allocation again so guys it's not more difficult than that guys and ladies please you have to understand this happens with experience i'm 60 uh, 59 years old okay i'm i'm twice as old as more than half of your audience okay think about that for a sec i've been doing this longer than you guys have been alive so i, I don't don't project me okay look no, going that, home to he, beat his dog to tonight. You. Man, I want to meet this guy. I don't want he, Greg Foss going home to beat his dog tonight. I I I, I want to meet Mr. Cock in 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 real uh, real life, and I shouldn't take it so personally. But what a penis! Okay, you're appropriately named. You probably manage money like some sort of clown ass, you know, speculator who says, "Oh, I'm just trading Bitcoin so I can make more." Fit. You don't sell your fire insurance when the fire is. This is about risk management. I can't. I, I yell. I swear because I care. I'm going to get a lot of hate mail. I don't care anymore, people. If you're too stupid to understand what I'm saying, tune out. I'm to help, help you, you preserve generational wealth opportunities. And most importantly, for your, your children. And if you don't care about your children, name yourself Mr. Powell. Okay? Because Mr. Powell has successfully pulled forward gains for fat white guys like me at the expense of the children Erica. Disgraceful, but true. Sorry, I'm not sure if I should sign out. No, 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 no. Do not go anywhere. Please do not go anywhere, Greg. I honestly, I saw AS, I saw your question. I'm going to re reword it a little bit and I'll, I'll, I'll dox myself a little bit because Greg doxed his age. I mean, Greg, you literally have a whole queue it's worth lifetime worth of experience more than I do in all of this stuff. So I appreciate all you have to say. I really, I buy in to the narrative that Bitcoin is a credit default swap on fiat, especially after, you know, doing a huge deep dive on my own time of 2007, 2008, understanding what it is. 
that got me to really see and understand what you are explaining. I also, like I come from a generation that has long heard like, oh, by the time we get to that age, social security won't be a thing. My next concern, however, is by the time I get to the age where I can access my IRA or my 401k, what's the point of actually having money in there? What are your expectations for someone like me who has 35 plus years until I can even touch my 401k, my IRA? Mind you, this is not financial advice. If you were in my position, what would you be doing? If you could see what you see and know everything that you know, what would you do at 30 years old with money tied up in 401ks and IRAs? Not financial well, let's advice. Focus on this the- is just what Greg Foss would do. No, no, it is. This has to be financial advice. The truth, the United States has $70 trillion of unfunded obligations, okay? That is future Medicare and Medicaid obligations for their current citizens that will not be there okay it will not be there yet there's people who are relying on it so you need to take matters into your own hands okay you can't rule something that is going to vaporize into thin air because if it is there the value of your dollar makes a bowl of soup probably worth about 50 bucks okay you can get there one of two ways or we meaning one of two ways you can have hyper inflation or you just renege on your obligations that is the mathematics of it so you have to take matters into your own hands and this is why i'm so disappointed because again it's guys like me who you know we're 60 years of age we had great parents who took care of us who paid their debts and then you got a federal reserve chairman like alan greenspan followed by Ben Bernanke, followed by Jerome Powell, that are too soft, that never fought anything except the money printer, who decided that they pull forward fits for our generation at the expense of our children. And that is disgraceful. Okay? And then you got guys like Cock pegging his heart health. I think Cock is plumbing some other stuff, but look, look, listen to me. Gcock, please listen to me. Don't be such a fool because you really are a retread, okay? You're a 100% retread of the Fiat generation. Please think outside the box. I love your Twitter handle. It is very appropriate from some knucklehead like you because you reflect the idiocy of every single boomer like myself who has not done the mathematics? So, if I'm going to have a heart attack defending my belief that we are a selfish bunch of pricks who have pulled forward at the expense of our children, go ahead and celebrate, Mr. Cock. Okay? I couldn't think of a better name for you. You really are a disgrace. If you want to show your face in person, I'd be happy to debate you. And if you want to jello wrestle at the next Bitcoin Magazine event, I'll do that as well for the kids. Oh all profits to charity. Okay. You heard it here for, first, folks. Let's make this happen. Let's do it on Twitter Spaces. Literally anytime. Oh, it's e- got to be. It's got to be in person. It's got to be Jello wrestling. You need to have the visuals. Oh, you want Jello? You actually want I a want, Jello I wrestle? Want, 
I want Greg Foss holding like a handful of bond notes, you know, like with like all the little like anti, you know, whatever, not theft, but all the little, little graphics and stuff and then throwing them at people. It's going to be great. We should get you a, um, you know, like those like money guns that like shoot dollars. We should get one of those, but have it like with bonds in it for you, Greg. I'll take it boys, (laughs) you know, and, and please understand that I, I, I actually love all sorts of feedback, good and bad because now I want to box Greg. I'll do that too for the, I really will. I will box you live, dude, just for the kids. Okay. If you're such a man and you'll show your face, you have to uh, take it. I'll give you some, I'll give you some, uh, some love. Here's what, here's what I do know. Always listen to research that is counter to your thesis because there's always a chance you could be wrong, right? You need to understand that you don't go to seminars to get confirmation bias. You go to seminars to understand that your thesis could be wrong. And all I know is there is only one certainty in finance. As far as I'm concerned, The only certainty I know is that fiat will debase. 100% certain. So so you better put a portfolio that will benefit from that certainty. And as far as I'm concerned, that does not include bonds. Because bonds are a fiat contract. They are contractual obligations that will not change unless there's a default. Okay? So I am not a bond fan. Doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just going with the mathematics that fiat is funded by the bond Ponzi of continuing to print money and relying on new money to roll over old bonds. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. But the math is with me. Okay. They might be able to extend this Ponzi indefinitely. I'm going with the chance or the probability that they can't. And you better take your you better take your chance to diversify your portfolio into hard assets that include Bitcoin. I hope that's fair. Send the hate mail. I don't care. I'm giving you my best advice. You could choose to take to take it or not. At the end of the day, Fidelity and BlackRock have done the research. They are encouraging people to look at a new asset class called Bitcoin. And where the allocation to Bitcoin come from? Out of the bond portion of your portfolio. At least equities, which are non-contractual, have the ability to outperform to the upside. Now, they have the ability to go down as well, but equities are not a contract. Bonds are a contract where the basis of the contract is a fiat unit of account that is 100% certain to go down. So if you own those bonds over a 10-year period and you've gotten a 3.5% return over that 10 years, you better make sure you know how much your principal is worth after 10 years because your coupon is highly unlikely to make up for the debasement of your principal. Pure math, guys. Thank you. Uh, I want to, Foss, I want to explore uh, looking glass education with you for just a moment, if you'll entertain us. But before we do that, I want to remind everyone who is watching right now on YouTube or on Rumble to please hit the subscribe button down below. If you're listening to this later over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to podcasts, make sure if you're not yet subscribed to our channel to do so. And please, please, please leave a rating so that more people can discover this conversation and many of our others. Greg, I know... Now, one thing that's taking up a lot of your time is looking glass education. Can you share with our audience a little bit about 
how this got formed and what your team's goals are and some of the other incredible people and minds who are working with you to help get this over the goal line. Well, thank you so much for the great question. Yeah, so Looking Glass Education actually came out of an article I wrote for Bitcoin Magazine that was titled, Why Every Portfolio Owned Bitcoin as Insurance, okay? It was very highly focused on the credit aspects. It was written by me for other credit portfolio managers who may have dismissed Bitcoin at the outset, but it was... It was high enough level stuff that your common reader wouldn't grasp it right away. And one of those readers was a great guy from the Midwest, from Wisconsin, a surgeon by the name of Jason Sansoni. And at the end of the day, Jason Sansoni said, I, I love what you're saying, but I have to sit here with Google to understand a lot of the you know intricacies of what you're saying. And... I said, Jason, why don't we rewrite the article then with you interpreting a lot of the things and, and, and distilling them into, into a language that the common person, and, and by the way, look, the guy is a tra trauma surgeon. He's, he's brilliant. He puts bodies together. He's like a physicist or a mechanical engineer that instead of putting engines together, he reconstructs bodies, okay? So Jason and I wrote this, rewrote this article for the, for the common man. And over that period of time, I went out to Whistler for skiing. I love skiing. And I went to Whistler and I ran into a kid in Whistler by the name of Seb Bunny, Sebastian Bunny, who also had written for Bitcoin Magazine. And I said, Seb, you seem like a such smart kid. Why don't we try and put together this learning platform that includes this document, but then builds on everything. And, and, and Seb, as you may know, is a prolific writer. He had already written a couple of articles for Bitcoin Magazine, as I mentioned. And so all I know is that after about four months of toing and froing, Jason, myself, Seb Bunny, a great kid from Australia that I still haven't met, Daz B, under the name of Daz B-E-A-1, started this platform for learning and it was basically all about finance that you don't learn in school why because if they taught you how the banking system in the united states really worked as henry ford said there'd be a revolution in the morning nobody would invest their money in banks and de even deposit their money in banks for concern of the failure of the u.s banking system so we'll put stuff there that doesn't get taught in school and then we recruited James Lavish. Why? I don't know. The Bitcoin community is friggin' awesome. Everybody offers up their, their brain power. And so James Lavish came on board. Then a beautiful, in all, in all ways, Dahlia Platt from Colombia said, why don't we translate this into Spanish for the Central Americans? And then all of a sudden, El Salvador took our stuff and translated it into their school system. And now it's been translated into 18 different languages. And it is being incorporated in the school curriculums of some of the developing nations that need Bitcoin the most. So really proud of the team. You know, we did, we did it with a, a hope and a prayer that we would get, you know, traction. I think we're getting that traction. We funded, funded a scholarship for Mi Primera Bitcoin. That's El Salvador schooling system in, in El Salvador. So we're, we're trying to make a difference. And guys, that's all we're trying to do. And even to... You know, G, G, K, O, K. Look, man, I know 
you, you, you're 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 doing this in good faith and not good faith, but in good humor. It's not a joke, though, people. This is not a drill. This is serious. This is for modern. Okay, we need to do this for the kids. Okay, I've done well in life. If you measure life by financial return, I've done okay. I though have the more important thing than financial freedom. I have a beautiful family that I want to do everything for so that the world they inherit is better than the world I inherited when I came into this. Right now, it's not. I got to help make a difference. I got to align myself with people like Jeff Booth, with people like Jeff Ross, with people like James Lavish, Jason Sansoni, Dahlia Platt, the El Salvador system. We have to do this because we cannot rely on the unelected authorities who sit in central bank positions and basically are ruining the world, okay? So I'm doing this because I'm trying to make a difference. I'm yelling and I'm screaming and I'm swearing because I can. And if you have a problem with that, you are an arsehole, okay? I may be wrong, but if I care about something, I suggest you go out and care about something as well, which is leaving the world in a better place than the world that you got brought into, which means study, learn math. My opinion is buy Bitcoin, at least have passion about something that you're going to help change the world. Bitcoin, I believe it to be the most essential technological innovation. Fix the money, fix the world. I can't say it any other way. Beautifully said and beautifully put, Greg. Is there anything else that we haven't yet had a chance to ask you, to touch on with you that you wanted to take this time to be able to say or speak on? I just say, did you see the headline that Goldman Sachs is laying of employees? Watch what they what they say. Okay, you're saying you're seeing people saying seeing saying the job market is strong. Everything is fine. Goldman is saying the economy is fine. And they're laying off people. Watch what they do, not what they say. We are going to have another Fed rate hike in September. Fed is not getting 10%, despite what the economists say. If they do to 6%, I think the world is in a heap of trouble. All paths lead to Bitcoin. Watch what they say, not what they do. And by the way, I don't mind gold bugs. I don't mind gold investors. I just have a problem with people who understand the mathematics. I look forward to to get on here with you guys. I love chins. I love Gcock, I guess. I'm about layoffs. What the fuck, Greg? I, I, I need this guy. Let's get him on a one-on-one a -on -one debate. Only why? Because maybe it'll help educate other people that... Not everyone has to agree, right? George Patton, famous saying, if everybody is thinking alike, then somebody isn't thinking. I suggest you youngins who have no idea who, know, who George Patton is, you better understand that he defeated one of the most empires in the world that was born out of fiat money. Okay? God bless people like George Patton. Okay? Understand we are lucky to have leaders that sacrifice, that fight for what is right. I'm going to align with the George Patton ideology. I don't have to agree with everybody. Just understand 
This is a world that we should not take for granted. And then one final thing, shout out on September 12th to my roommate from Cornell University, who 21 years ago was killed in the World Trade Center disaster, okay? He had two kids, a third one in the belly of his beautiful wife, Sean P. Lynch from Cantor Fitzgerald. God bless you, kid. Greg, love you and appreciate your time. I could honestly keep going down these rabbit holes and I will leave leave you guys with this thought. Over the weekend, I saw and shout out a friend of the show, Joe Consorti, who got his hands on a Chase update of all of the different interest rates they are offering. And Chase Bank, Jamie Dimon's sort of creme de la creme, is offering 0% interest across any type of debt you take out whether it's mortgages, whether it's a new car loan. I don't know, but something tells me that if Jamie Dimon thinks interest rates are about to hit zero, that maybe just maybe Jerome Powell isn't actually going to follow through on what he was saying over in Jackson Hole, and we could actually see a shift in this interest rate policy much sooner than we think. Greg, I don't know if that feeds into anything that you believe or if this is just a little bit more noise that's out there in the world. You're going to have to help me out. So JP Morgan is offering, how are they offering 0%? I'm going to read this off to you right now, but I was looking at this and I was floored as I read it, but the long and the short of it is everything from, Jesus, Joe Consorti, you post way too much stuff on Twitter because this was yesterday I saw it on your Twitter. Oh my God. And of course now I can't see it. Well, I would guess this very simply. When the cost of money, or the overnight rate, which is set by the U.S. Federal Reserve, is 2.5%, that is your cost of funds. That's your mar marginal value cost of funds. That is what your deposits are worth. Because if you're paying zero on your deposits, you can turn around and lend them. You collect with, with your deposits into and you have percent That's why you have to set the value of funds funds rate at at least two and a half percent, which is to say that if you're turning around and lending something at two and a half percent, you're borrowing at two and a half percent to lend at zero. I don't think any rational businessman does that unless he says, reading the fine print, you have to deposit $10 million with us at a zero percent cost of funds, and then you could borrow your own money back. But there's got to be something in the fine Print. Otherwise, I'd fire Morgan's uh, Jamie Dimon's ass for being a you know a foolish CEO by lending out at zero what he could lend out to the risk-free you know the quintessential risk-free borrower, which is the Federal Reserve. He could lend that at at three and a half percent on a U.S. ten-year or at two and a half percent in Fed funds overnight. You don't turn around and give that away. So I, I'm my my little antenna goes up. I think there's a misinterpretation on the uh, on the headline a little bit. If there isn't, I don't know. Short J.P. Morgan stock. I think that's probably a good trade that comes out of that little headline. If there's not some specifics about it, I'm gonna I DM Joe Foss. I'll DM you once I get it, and we'll continue that conversation maybe publicly over the Twitter sphere. Greg, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I want to give you the opportunity. Where can people stay up to date with all of the incredible work you're doing? I know you have the link to lookingglasseducation.com listed below. 
please take the time today to check it out, share it. This is an incredible, incredible thing to help push forward Bitcoin and Bitcoin education. Foss, I'll hand the mic off to you. Well, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in, including G. Okay. I, don't have, I try not to have too many enemies in the world. I'm just, I like frenemy, everyone to agree with me. I do, do try and provide experience and angle that I've quite frankly, when I was 25 years old and graduated from Cornell, I, I admit I knew nothing. Okay. You, you absolutely know zero. You know how to work hard, you know how to meet deadlines, but you don't really know how the world works. I discovered Twitter in 2020. There's a few people that follow me on Twitter and I'm absolutely flattered, okay? And I try not to come off as a, you know, a bully in the room, but I do yell because I care. I'm used to working on a bond floor. And if you're a type B personality and you work on a bond floor, you, you actually don't survive that long. Okay. It's just a, it's just the way that the bond markets work. You eat your young, you, you know, it's, it's part of the creative destruction model that captain works makes work. Now I've come to realize that bonds fund the Fiat Ponzi and I am advocating for people to understand could be a very risky relative to the devaluation of the Fiat currency. So what I need to tell people is please do your work, utilize resources like lookingglasseducation.com. Bitcoin Magazine is a phenomenal resource. We are doing our God's work to help educate young people who are going to be the most disadvantaged thing if they don't learn how to protect themselves. So all I'm doing is help add to that resource area. And Let's do this. You don't want to pull up the call screen? A cue? I'm okay with it. No, Let's can. do this, okay? I will come back and discuss it if we have to, but here's the truth. Okay, overnight, the return from, again, the risk-free, quintessential risk-free borrower in the world, they are paying 2.5% today. If you're going to turn around and do some woke advertising and saying, I'm going to give loans out for free, do that on your whole bank, and I guarantee your whole bank is bankrupt, okay? You might do it for some little advertising on the side. If you meet this little, you know, you fit into this box, you fit into, the, fit into this box, and then the advertising perhaps pays for itself. But don't ever forget the mathematics of how banks work. Banks are critical to the capitalist system because they are 20 times levered. I'm going to say that again. A bank only holds about five cents of risk absorbing capital for every hundred cents of a loan they make. You better not make too many or the banking system crashes. And who bails out the banking system? Oh yeah, the Fed. So all that's happened is the Fed has transferred risk from the financial system up to the government level. And guess what? There's nowhere else to transfer the risk. We are at the top. Okay, so there you go. Do your homework. Foss, thank you, SJ. Foss is not smart as heck. Foss is a B-plus student who has lived in risk chair for 30 years. There's way more smart people than me. The only thing I know is listen to smart people, explore research that doesn't match your own, because you don't want to be confirmed that you're right. You want to learn that you are wrong. And then most importantly, 
experience adds a ton of real life. I couldn't say any of this. We'll end it on this. Sphincter tightening. Unless you have experienced sphincter tightening sitting in a risk chair, you know have, have no clue how the world really works, okay? So go pound cent, signing off from Canada. Love you all. Thank you again. God bless America. Thanks so much, Greg. And Canada. Thank you, Greg, as always, for your time. Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, our show is about to end. But before we do, I want to clue you guys in on what we have planned because this week might just be the biggest and baddest week of Bitcoin Magazine Live you have ever seen. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we will be doing, we will, we will have Mills and our reporters on the grounds be joining us every single morning. So that will be how we kick off the show tomorrow. We are going to be joined by Jaime Garcia and Alex Gladstein to have a long-awaited debate over El Salvador and President Bukele. We are going to take both sides of this argument. P and I will be moderating this, and Jaime and Alex Gladstein will be arguing and defending each side, whether Bukele's actions are justified for the means to the end of adopting Bitcoin on a nation-state level. We will... P and I take the time tomorrow before the debate starts to help sort of set the stage for everyone. And we will clue you guys in on some facts and details. If you are not yet familiar with everything and all the different pieces of stories that come in surrounding El Salvador, both from proponents of Bitcoin and, and President Bukele, as well as those who are more critical of him and his actions. And then on Wednesday, we will have none other than Jeff Booth joining us on the show. And we're going to be talking all things Canada once again. No, I kid. Uh, this is a conversation that I've looked forward to quite possibly since my first ever episode of Bitcoin Magazine Live. It is long awaited. I'm finally out of the Jeff Booth doghouse. And then we will end the week with none other than fan favorite Ansel Linder. So you are not going to want to miss a single episode this week. And of course, all throughout it, all going into next week, we will be hearing all the updates out of Oslo as well. It's going to be amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. I do want to remind everyone to please, please, please smash that subscribe button down below. Join us as we share all things Bitcoin and, of course, stack hats and stay humble. Hey, guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global with the inaugural European gathering this fall. Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Voss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference which includes hands-on engagements at our Proof of Workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP whales in the deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day three of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 Euros for a GA ticket and €3,499 for VIP whale passes. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.